You're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. Now, here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Self-Publishing Journeys, episode number 98 for Monday, the 15th of January, 2018. I have two guests today. They are Chris and Carol Rivers, who are recent converts to indie publishing. Now, Carol's writing life began with short stories for women's magazines, then novellas, and eventually sagas written for Simon & Schuster. She also wrote for Mills & Boone. Carol writes East End of London sagas, which are set between the two world wars, with gritty issues and feisty heroines, and quite a bit of mischief in between. Carol's pen name is Parker D, and her new series of self-published books are contemporary romances set in the tranquil British countryside, often with doctors and nurses as central characters, under the title of the Dishy Doc series. Now, Chris is currently turning Carol's published hard copy work into ebook form, and he's helping her to pursue an indie author career by managing the advertising, the scanning, and the artwork. So for the first time since I launched this podcast, I did a double interview with both Carol and Chris to find out what it's like to work as a husband and wife self-publishing team. As you'll hear in the interview, we had great fun chatting. So so welcome both. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today. And uh, Carol, it was you who reached out to me first on Twitter. It was it was great to make contact with you. I feel like you're a traditional author who's just um, feeling her way in the in the indie world at the moment. Oh, hi, Paul. Yes, that's right. Thank you for having us and uh, lovely to be here. Um, yes, w- w- I am just putting a toe in, really. Um, I've worked for a long time for publishers but uh, the wish was really that Chris and I could work together. Uh, and we started following the indie world about uh, a year and a half ago. Uh, very impressed with it. And we decided that um, it was now or never, really. Fantastic. And it must be going reasonably well because, Chris, you're, you're sat on the other side of the microphone there and yes. you're sharing headphones. So you can't have fallen out yet. <laughs> No, I can't afford it after 40 years of marriage. I'm too scared. I'm five children. I'm scared to. <laughs> and yet after after all of that, yeah. you still want to spend more time together working in a business because, you know, often it's quite a bit of a, a, bit of a crisis point, isn't it? You know, it could be a bit of a flare-up point they, working together. Yeah, they say that. But the thing is, we've had most of our la- laughs <laughs> over the computer and the things we've done, and it's been exciting. And yes. we're in control of our own the, destiny, as they say. I, I think the control, after many years, really, of um, uh, being published by uh, um, publishing houses, uh, having it's a bit like being a sweet shop at the moment, Paul. There's so so much you can do for yourself, and uh, we've learned so much from the indie world that. Um, we're just beginning to see what works and what doesn't work. And that's really exciting. Well, let, let's dig into how all this started, Carol, because you, you've got what most indie authors would maybe aspire to. You've got this wonderful back catalogue of traditionally published books. <laughs> and, and that kind of was the dream at one one stage, wasn't it? Well, it, it was. And in my early days, um, you know, 30 years ago, that, that's all I wanted and uh, I um, began in a small way with writing articles <clears throat> for magazines um, and gradually worked my way through to Hales and DC Thompson and um, then got taken up by Mills and Boone. <clears throat> so really it was a dream come true, yes. And an e- an e- another dream as well um, of being taken on by a big five publisher, Simon & Schuster. Now, Mills and Boone, um, I used to work years ago in the radio, and I can remember interviewing a couple of Mills and Boone authors then. Oh. And, and and let's put it this way, they weren't in tiny little houses. They they seemed to be making a pretty good uh, living out of Mills and Boone. I mean, it was yeah. and still is pretty big, isn't it? It is. It is very much, of course, the parent company, Harlequin, uh, are a big deal in America. 
and um, Milton Boone. I think I have to say one of the nicest publishers I've ever worked for. Um, they were very communicative. Um, they, they, it was a great apprenticeship. I think that's how I could put it, really. Um, I learned a lot. So I learned a lot about writing craft from Mills and Boone. Uh, so, yes, very great. They fascinate me because, I mean, uh, maybe you've seen these similarities now you're self-publishing, but Mills and Boone, in many respects, followed the self-publishing model in that they wrote in very distinctive series. They were very consistent with their style. They release fast. Yes. They know who their audience are. Yes. They were doing many things that apply these days to indie publishers absolutely which um uh, gave me i think my first insight into indie was that i'd been there before in a different incarnation if you know what i mean um and i realized as we grew to um see more indie publishers turning out more books which the speed of books now these days is incredible um, is exactly what Mills did and uh, what I was used to. Um, of course, when you go to sagas, which are longer books, you're usually contracted for a, a year and you write one book a year. Um, so it's, a, it's a different um, focus altogether, really. When you were writing for Mills and Boone, do they, are you under the cosh? Do they require a certain number of books from you every year? Yes, yes, they do really. I believe now that most of the authors are writing three books a year at least. Um, of course, there's exceptions to the rule, I'm sure. Uh, and I was writing three toward the end of my time with them. Uh, and um, I think you could write as many as you like. I mean, some of the biggest names in publishing, like Nora Roberts, um, yep. Debbie McCoe, all those big names, uh, they all started with the Harlequin or Mills and Boone imprints and, um, of course, are known for their pro prolific writing. So, yes, a, a wonderful start for anybody and they are enormously helpful to um, aspiring authors, enormously I mean, I think they broke the expectation there because if you if you talk to a, a traditionally published author, they will generally think that writing a book a year and publishing a book a year is fine. And that's often because the publisher can't cope with more than that. But um, I do think, you know, Mills and Boone have been years ahead of their time forever. And um, even in that in that expectation that you can write three books in a year, most people say, oh, it can't be done. It must be rubbish if you're writing that fast. Oh, absolutely the opposite. Um if you're writing that fast, you get more practice. You get to know the work, you get to know your plots, and especially the central core of all Mills and Boone is sexual tension. And you have to... Oh, I dropped my cup of tea then. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Chris, that's where you entered the business, I think. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> You provide the inspiration for the sexual tension. I heard the sexual tension mentioned there. Sh oh. Shaky hand again. Oh, poor Chris has been at the end of many a jive. I'm bald as a coot and they've all got black hair swept back. Yes, the Mills and Boone heroes are tall, dark, very handsome uh, and usually very wealthy. Um, so, yes, there's a recipe. And um, Charlotte Lamb was a very prolific author in my time. Uh, she was a wonderful writer, and she used to write 12, 13, 14 books a year. She bought a castle, if I remember rightly. Yes, in the Isle of Man, yeah. yes, yes. And her daughter followed in her footsteps. So, yes, Milton Boone have bred many great, wonderful writers. I have a lot of time for Mills and Boone. In actual fact, my wife works in a library and she saves the Mills and Boons that are being thrown away um, for, for, a, for an elderly relative who just consumes them uh, en masse. So, you know, they've still got a very, very strong uh, market. Oh, yes, and yes. uh, um, when I do my little library events, um, you know, the Mills and Boons are always there and people always love to know about Mills and Boone. Um, and uh, I enjoy talking about them because they were such a fabulous company, are a fabulous company. And did you, um, as a traditional author, did that allow you to make a reasonable living writing for Mills and Boone? 
well, I would say it was the beginning. Um, I had a day job as well, so I kept the day job and the mills and boon. It's something that you do over a period of time. You gradually build up. Um, and I think that most people would be advised initially, unless they're very prolific writers automatically, uh, to keep the day job and to just blend in gradually with uh, the manuscript. I mean, the manuscripts today can be sent off by a digital process. You don't have to send in these whacking great parcels that I used to in my day. So everything is cut down and um, made easy. So the answer to that is definitely um, if you if you had that dream, you could achieve it. And how were you involved with the, in the business in those days, Chris, other than providing the inspiration as the leading man? Um, yeah, Paul, you recognise that. What a sensible man. It's gone up in my estimation. <laughs> but, but, I mean, for, for instance, my wife, you know, is, is a really good support to me because yeah. she reads through stuff. I'm in, She's endlessly there for yeah. me, churning over ideas. Uh, so, presumably, you were involved from that very early stage I did. I, well. used, I used to read all Carol's uh, manuscripts and uh, go through it with her and, you know, say what I didn't like. There wasn't wasn't a lot i thought they were very good matter of fact but i I have seen carol work very very hard with mills and boone and over the time all i could do i did my own work and and i give encouragement really but uh yeah i did my fair share of reading of mills and boone which i don't think i would have i got quite into mills and boone yes he's a big fan yeah a big fan i quite enjoyed it Pick up any tips? Yeah, loads. I'm not, I'm not telling you on air. I've, I've got my own book I'm going to write eventually. It's a true life of a Mills and Booth husband. So, uh... I've got a lot of time for Mills and Booth. I think many of the things you told me there, Carol, they're just, they really were they're the indie model. If you want to look at the indie model, yes. look, look at Mills and Boom because it's got everything that the indie model requires, I think, for success. And also the length of the books, Paul. They're, they're, they're novellas, really, but, uh, you know, the 50,000-word model is, is great because people that I've researched on indie, um, many of them have started with even smaller books. I mean... Take T.S. Paul, for instance, you know, the fantasy writer. Yes. Um, he started with short stories almost. Yeah, and, fantastic. Then, uh, you know, evolved into novellas. Um, so he's following the, the M&B model, of course, not without knowing it, but um, that's exactly what it is. And Paul I think, does a science fiction dystopia. So, yeah. Well, I, I do. I do thrillers. You see, I've written four yeah. books. I'll have written four books this year, each one writing to fifty thousand because you can price them at four ninety nine, three ninety nine. Sure. This is three ninety nine in the UK, four ninety nine yeah. in the US. Yeah. Uh, so you can price them full price, but you can get more out quickly. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yes, I, I thoroughly enjoy. Don't tell Meg. Oh, thank you. You read it, did you? Thank I, you very much. I just feel sorry for the poor wife. <laughs> what, what? Well, let let me tell you as an let me ask you as an expert couple. What did you think of the saucy bits? Because that was the first time I wrote saucy bits in my book. Was it? Ah. Yes, it was. Well, you did very well, very well, Paul. I'm surprised that it was your first time. Well, I did. Well, it was yeah. Well, I was a little bit uh, nervous, but I, I I actually like writing saucy bits. Um, I, I I enjoyed it, and I, I did an interview with a gentleman called Ashley Lister, who's written a lot of erotic fiction beforehand, just to get a feel for you know what I should call everything yes. and, and what language I should use. And I just decided in the end that the best policy is to just call a spade a spade. Don't use ridiculous yeah, names yes. for everything. Well, Too that's true. what I enjoyed about it because. Uh, there was no pretense in your book. You know, you, anybody body could pick it up, read it, and really enjoy it because it was an honest book. So congratulations on that. I, yeah, well done. I did enjoy well, it. I haven't tried. I appreciate your, you reading it. I haven't tried your thrillers yet, but I, I'm going to. I'm going to move on. It's lovely to do this. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I think Chris will probably enjoy. Yes, yeah, so I'll enjoy well. those. 
Excellent. Well, they, they, I'm just trying to think. Some of them have saucy bits in. You see, I've just sent one to, um, the, the, the one I published uh, a couple of months ago is called Burden of Guilt. And it was inspired by, I think, um, a couple, uh, when I was a child, they took me to Scotland for the first time. Yeah. And I just wanted to send them a copy of the book and say, this book is as a result of that first trip you took me on. I've loved Scotland ever Aww. since. Aww. Uh, but I had, I felt I had to warn her about the saucy bits in it. <laughs> <laughs> How did you do that? I, I just said, beware, there are saucy bits. Bits in here. Uh, because I actually think she likes to read the saucy bits, but her husband is a little bit more prudish about it. So I thought oh, I- I've got to warn them because they'll think it's all about rolling Scottish landscapes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, instead of rolling something else. Yes. You, 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 you be proud, young man. Yeah, You'd definitely be proud. proud. I think that. And, and I, I tell you what, it's not easy to write sexual tension. Well, to go, it's blooming difficult. Uh, well. Into erotica, yes, but any any um, emotional, any great emotion is very difficult, really, to and to do it right. It, it's a practice, and if if you if this is your first time at it, um, I think you did marvelously well. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's that's uh, from somebody who's done as much writing as you have. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. That's all credit where it's due. Definitely. Thank you. Now, um, with, from from Mills and Boone, then I mean, I'm interested in what made you move from Mills and Boone into another genre that I'm fascinated. I'd love to write a saga uh, one of these days because I, you know, I love. Um, do you remember? I got into sagas in the I think it was the 80s when they did things like um, Rich Man Poor Man. Yes. Uh, yes. Woman, yes. woman of substance. Yeah, brilliant. Um, you know, wonderful Taylor. rolling yes. family yes. stories. Yes. Oh, I love them. I love them. Yes, I, I do, and I think that's. That, that was the attraction. I think I'd been writing novellas for a long time, decided that I could uh, write something longer, and all my family are EastEnders. We came from um, uh, the Isle of Dogs, and um, I, I really thought that I could write a saga about the a historical saga about the East End of London, the people the Dockers, um, Costamongers, because my dad's family were all Costamongers. What's a Costamonger? Sorry, I'm showing my age here. What's a Costamonger? (laughs) A Costamonger's an on-the-move greengrocery seller. In other words, barrow boys, marketeers, all selling greengroceries. Racketeers. And racketeers, (laughs) yes. I'd never heard that word before. I know what a barrow boy is, but I'd never heard that one before. Never, Never heard of a Costa. Apart from a coffee, <laughs> I can't. Find, yeah, I've heard of Costa and coffee, but is that is that what that alludes to? It's, yeah, it's spelled differently. C O S T E R. Yes, that alludes. That's to showing the, our age now. Well, it's a very old and ancient and revered trade in the East End, um, because that's where it all started. All the marketeering, all the trading. Uh, um, my grandfather was a costermonger and he ran Greyhounds at White City. So he was, he was a bookies runner and lots of um, lots of ups and downs in family life. Yeah. So our checkered background. Peaky blinders um, before peaky blinders. Yeah, yes. Say that yeah, really. it was. And uh, my, my books are a bit gritty. They're not. They're, they're not sexual tension oriented oriented at all they might be romance there's always a strong central theme of a romance but they aren't sweet romance london gangs aren't they so i was able to really spread my wings a bit um i got an agent initially and she read it and um read through it and said yeah with a bit of work i think we can sell this to a publishing house so when you get when you're in sagas, Carol. So we, I mean, just the word saga yeah. uh, implies that there are more words involved. But when, yes. you, when you write a saga, what are the kind of the, the the tropes, the expectations when you when you knock out a, a saga? Well, um, I think the the word the wordage is a, a thousand words. All my contracts were written up for approximately a thousand. A, sorry, a hundred thousand words. Um, so you're. Ex- that's twice the size of the Mills and Boone. So your your story can either span a long period of time, which my first ever saga did, a couple of decades, or uh, if you write in a slightly different way, um, 
you you focus on an era um you could do two three but or five years but probably easier if you focus on a longer period i think with the saga that's all changing a bit mind you paul because the, the there are new saga writers coming along with new ideas and doing new things so with the sagas you had an agent which is very exciting and, and presumably the mills and boone then uh the writing for mills and boone had, had set you up very nicely in terms of writing credibility well as i said it was an apprenticeship and a very good one because it, it was a hard apprenticeship because i knew what i had to focus on which was the emotional side of the characters with with mainly two protagonists that the hero and the heroine and to, on every page, bring them closer with the kind of tension that the reader was expecting. In a saga, you you can branch out. You have a family, as a rule. And with that family, they usually go in all directions. So you've got your subplots going as well. So it's quite a different animal to, to, to the rest of it. And you do have to learn as you go along, really, and read. That's the key, Paul. That's the secret my advice to any aspiring author, whether they're indie or traditional, uh, is read. Read what you like to read and let the, let the author mentor you through their words. Sagas then are a very different beast. Uh, Chris, I'm, I'm just interested now because with the sagas, yeah. um, you know, Mills and Boone would be something that you became familiar with. Presumably, yes. I mean, sagas are, are something that are much more... Uh, accessible for you is that the case yes i was going to say i can get into carol's sagas quite well because there's a lot for the man in it as well because they've got the east end gangs who play a big part in it that carol's family used to know <laughs> i think some of them are in it i'm not sure but carol's got a lot of information on that and of course it makes the books interesting and if i read it to edit it for carol to look at it before it goes to the editor, I'm inclined to get into the story too much to check the editing. So I've got to read it again because I get too much into the book. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, that's a good fair. thing though, isn't it? Yeah. If you get carried away with the plot. It's good. I enjoy it. And that is one of the things. But uh, mainly I do, as I say, the um, artwork. I like working out. And this has only just started this year for us the first book that Carol's done mm. not with Simon & Schuster. So it's quite a big thing to to actually do our own cover and to publicise it and put it with Facebook, your usual advertising that you do most probably, uh, Amazon and BookBub and all the usual things. And uh, we tried it. Out of everything, if I give any advice, it would be stick with Facebook. I find it very good. Well, well, we'll delve into that in a moment yeah. or two. I just want to, just want to wind back slightly because I want to go. Yeah. At the moment, we're just we're with an agent. At the moment, we sure. haven't got Simon and Schuster yet. So no. I, I just want to see how we got from the agent, which again is exciting. Right. The thought of an agent for many indie authors is very exciting. And then we got to a deal with Simon and Schuster because once again, Mills and Boone's is fantastic, but Simon and Schuster, wow, it's the jackpot, isn't it? Yeah, let well. you answer. <laughs> 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 well. Um, yes, I, what I will say is that being one of the big five or the big six as they were, or, uh, being such a big publishing house, they do have a mighty arm and so they can um, certainly propel you into arenas that you probably haven't been to before. Um, my agent, going back to my agent, my first agent was Dorothy Lumley, who was a very very sweet lady, uh, and must have seen something in the manuscript that I wrote and sent to her. It was my first saga, which eventually turned out to be Lizzie of Langley Street. Um, and she worked assiduously with me on that manuscript, and we turned it into a saleable piece of work. Uh, and she sold to Simon & Schuster, and I... After that, I didn't look back, really. I have been with them since 2000, um, 2001, I believe. Oh, so you're still with them, are you? Yes, I'm still with They're still selling my sagas. All of my books are, are there on my um, Amazon page. Uh, the paperback of 
the late the latest book I did, Molly's Christmas Orphans, is coming out next year. But <clears throat> we are testing our self-publishing, and I have told my editor that I have decided to try the self-publishing route, and that um, this year I would not be signing any more contact contracts um, because I will be giving my time over to writing indie. So uh, that's the state of play at the moment, Paul. Now, I am going to dig a little here because when, 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 I, when, I, look at your, uh, when I look at your list of books under your, your Carol Rivers name yes. and I, I click the little arrow at the side of your Amazon author page, it just keeps scrolling through book after book after book it's you you've created an amazing body of work i i don't even see your mills and boons on there uh on, on that page no. so so i had to you know i'm thinking well hang on surely you could have given up writing ages ago couldn't you well i could have but do you know what you said to me when we we're talking about dreams and how people sort of think well ah uh, i'm here i'm you know i'm with a big publisher <clears throat> i can't possibly um, let go or look elsewhere this is it you know I've, I've got a career and I can continue writing one book a year um, and then suddenly it occurred to me after Chris and I had been following the indies for so long well that's possible for me too uh, and I'm I won't see my 60s again so if we don't do it now when will we do it? Uh, and that really was the basis of our decision to self-publish this past year with our first book, Christmas to Come. But when you when you're working with a publisher, and and, and Chris, feel free to, to chip in here because you're doing a lot of this work. <laughs> right. all, all of this is done for you. They're, they're doing the covers, they're doing the edits, they take the strain, they market the book. Yet when you're an indie, you've got to, as you'll be finding out now yourselves, yes. you, you have to do everything, including <laughs> sweeping the floor afterwards. So, it, 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 it's everything. But the thing is, when you do your own, you've got control. And I'm not saying that publishers don't sell Carol's book well to the shops but on the indie side on the net is very little that a publisher would do i, I got to be careful what i say a cow still still might be going back to Simon Schuster i don't know but the thing is i would do a lot more for carol than Simon & Schuster does on the selling side now I've heard that from a lot of uh, traditional authors, and I, I'm not—I don't mean this rudely—but they're—they're not the Stephen Kings or the J.K. Rowlings. They—I've um, no. I've talked to, talk to a lot of authors who are doing very well, but they still consider themselves to be midweight authors, yes. and they say that they don't get any um, promotion, they get none of the publicity no. that the really—you know—the the really big guys no. are, are selling books by the bucket load. So, presumably, it sounds to me um, that that's where you feel yeah. that you are. Yes. There. Well, well, to be quite honest, Paul, on any earnings. Uh, an ordinary author would do was one of the big five or was a six, what they would do, they would get 9% of what they've earned. Time they paid really? the agent, the publisher, the tax man, that's what they would earn. Wow, nine. Yeah, so say somebody, you work it out yourself. If somebody was earning, I don't know, 150000 a year, which sounds quite reasonable, doesn't it? And then deduct yeah. that. Uh, is that a piece of paper? You're doing the calculation for me. Well, I just stretched over. <laughs> I was just for stretched you. over there. Now. Um, I made a note before we came on because I I thought you might like to know how I signed my contracts. Would you? Oh yes. Will you tell me? If you tell me, yes, yes. of course I will. Yeah. <laughs> we most probably get, have a hitman come from signing your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. All the gritty details, anything that you'll tell me, yeah. You're the first one to find that. Well, these, excellent. <laughs> these are facts, Paul. Um, uh, my last uh, contract was for two books. I signed for two book contracts all the way down the line. Um, and I would have £10,000 for the title for one book. Uh, so that would mean you've got a £20,000 contract, which was divided up and you were paid on signature, on acceptance and on publication. Um, are you with me? <laughs> yes, yep, yep. Okay, so the royalties 
after that, after after your initial contracting, when they came in, your paperbacks were 7.5% to 12.5%. This is the amount sold at the recommended retail price. So you'd get between 7.5 and 12.5 on the first 20,000. Then after that 20,000, it rose. It rose in, with different figures. So you really looked to selling the first 20,000 and then you'd start making money after that. Wow. However, when ebooks came along, and I think this is a pretty broad spectrum of writers, you were contracted for your ebooks at 25%. So your publisher would take the 75. Um, after that, your agent would take 20%. No, sorry, 15%. 15. Yeah. Uh, and of that 15%, you would have another 20% VAT on top, if you were VAT registered, of course. So it whittles away, and you have to sell a lot of books to keep up a good mid-list standard of living, as you can probably see. Is that a stunned silence I hear? Or <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm wondering about the residual income then that you that you generate, because you've got so many books behind you now. Well, there must be an element of recurring income in that that builds up? Yes, there is. There is. I can't expect to rely on that for much longer, I don't think, because... If I were a big publisher, I would think, well, if this author isn't writing to me, why should I make any waves for them? Uh, you know, so I'm not expecting big things from my backlist there. Um, maybe one day I can buy the rights back and then I can republish them myself. But, uh, that, so I think this is fascinating for indie authors because uh, you know a lot of us were we're just trying to get things going. Yeah. And um, but but then as you say, yeah. we, I, I get paid by Amazon every month, um, and it's straight into my into my bank account. Yeah. And, yes. And that no one's yeah. taking cuts left, right, and centre no. from yes. it. Yes, it's staggering. That to Chris and I, that's yeah. staggering. My advice would be to never go with a publisher. I don't know why they're so <laughs> keen on going with publishers. Well, uh, the thing is, you get a lot of kudos with being with a big, big publisher or little publisher even, you uh, and you feel, you know, you feel you're you're an author and you're you're doing the works and um, you know you get together with all the other authors and um, you, for a while you're you're in a publishing haze. Now that haze can last years sometimes. And it's certainly a lot easier, I will say that, because you send your book in, it goes through the edits, you get your cover done for you, and Simon & Schuster did absolutely gorgeous covers. Um, you get all the editing process done for you, the book's in the shops, and um, it's smooth sailing. For the past year that we've been indie publishing, it's been hard. <laughs> All hours of days and, and nights, and we truly sometimes have literally been on the floor at the end of the day. Um, but underneath that all, for me, is this marvellous feeling of doing it ourselves and of being able to control the process of marketing as we like and of seeing the results of the marketing, which is a truly wonderful feeling. So I would advise any indie author salivating after publishing to be very careful about what they wish for. It, that you see that it's that's still interesting because as an indie author, you see, I I would like I I've got my eye on a company called Bloodhound and a couple of others. Yes, I, know. That I am interested in. Yes, uh, I've got my. But the reason I've got my eye on them is I don't want to be uh, completely traditionally published. But um, and you've alluded this to this already with Mills and Boone that there is um, there is a benefit of 
um, getting the feedback from professionals who know their field extremely well. Yes. Um, there is a benefit from getting the in-house editors who know your genre extremely well and yes. can give you all that professional advice and, and those accrued years of learning. And there's also a benefit to be being a part of a team of writers and and, and you know so people saying oh um, thriller writer Paul Teague he's part of if this ever happens part of the Bloodhound set yes. so, so I can yes. see how that symbiosis would work yes. as a, as a self-published author to have a bit of both actually well that's a good idea I've heard good things about Bloodhound too Paul so I I, I, I wish you well there and I think you you would do well there um, but it's it's not all take though is the point I'm making that you know when you go to a when you when you publish yes. traditionally they actually they they also give you a lot that you can't get as a an indie author. Yes, that's true. Um, and bear in mind, I started you know quite a long while ago, uh, how, how long, sort of fifteen years ago, and things were quite different then because. Um, you you kind of expected this after a couple of books. You kind of expected the same thing to recur again each year, and you were in the process, and you you were just continuing then in the same vein, thinking that there was nothing else at all. The the indie revolution really came along, sort of 2011, didn't it? Something like that, when mm. sales really got going. And so um, it was just a, a seismic, volcanic thing almost that happened in, in publishing. Yeah. So, so having been on the sidelines, Chris, with, with this, you, you've yes. been part, obviously part of this um, writing career for, for, for years now, yes. ever since it's, it, it began. Yes. Um, how were you implicated in this? <laughs> how did you get yourself in, involved in, in doing all this? Well, it, a, a story. About 40 years ago, Paul, we were both doing our jobs. Carol was a doctor's receptionist, and I worked at British Aerospace, timekeeper, non-computers, and we were walking on our favourite spot over Hengsbury Head, which is in Dorset, near the beach, and we both looked at each other and we said, if you had a choice and money didn't matter... What would you love to do? And Carol said, well, I always wanted to write. And she was always writing. And I said, well, that's brilliant. She said, what would you like to do? And I said, well, I'd always like to paint. Ah, there's no money in it at the time. So we both decided to do it. We stopped what we were doing in that, in two weeks, I think it was, and just stopped what we were doing and put everything into art and writing. And we said, whoever made it first, the other one would help them. <laughs> <laughs> so it happened like that really mm. it was just a little bit of a story yes quite a lifetime ago now really. yes a long because we're in our 70s now so it's a bit of a funny time to start a new career but good fun yeah and, and was it you said five children didn't you at the beginning yes. of the interview yes. five yes. Yeah. yes yeah and they all they all sort of um <laughs> they all think know. we're a joke <laughs> probably do actually Yes. But I will tell you one thing that my agent, my current agent, said to me, and she, she did give me warning. She said, um, nobody who is who is with a, a big five publishing house uh, opts out. Um, so <laughs> She gave you the warning, so that she was when you opted out. So <laughs> mm. Well, mm. that kind of made me think, well... Perhaps not. Perhaps it's not usual, but I have heard of other authors that, that that have done it and are doing it at the moment. And one author I heard say that diversity was good for the soul. <laughs> so what I'm interested in then is that the, the, the turning point here. So you, you decided to, you've been traditionally published. You've got a huge uh, catalogue of work behind you. What was what was the plan? Because uh, Chris has already said that he's scanning old books in yes. but also you're writing new books and you've got yes. a different writing name as well yes well i'll i'll tell you about the, the 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 old plan which was to go under a pen name that was the first plan we decided that we would um get take my backlist from milton boone and recreate new books republish recover rewrite really i've rewritten quite a lot of them to bring them up to um, today's 
Well, you know, when I first wrote them, there, there was no such thing as a mobile phone. They, they used pages in, in the old days, the doctors. Of course, yes, yes, and until yes. fairly recently, to be honest with you, yes, you know, in, in yes. very living memory. Yes, absolutely, yeah. so I had to rewrite those books, and I was doing that uh, while I was still working on my sagas for Simon & Schuster. So when we had a, 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 um, six or seven of those ready, um, we decided that we'd create um, uh, another name, a pen name for those, because they were totally different romance, and you don't normally get a crossover. Um, you know, people like to read either sagas or sweet romance or sensual romance or whatever. So it's commonly known that you go under a different name, which we did, which we chose Parker D. And we, we've done a sort of an experiment because I decided to write a saga, uh, not sell it to anybody else, but to publish it myself and we would offset um, the saga with marketing, and we would do nothing with the Parker D novels, and we would see what happened. So this little experiment is just is just coming to fruition at the moment. Um, the saga has done very well. Christmas to come has done very well as um, uh, as a standalone saga. The Parker D novels, we placed our first Facebook ad last night for the Parker D box set. And this morning we got quite a good result. Yeah, it's good. Coming Um, in nice. So it's just starting. So uh, the advertising has a lot to do with how you get your book out there, as you well know, I'm sure, Paul. Yes, I, I do. I, 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 can I just ask you about? Um, you, you said you've rewritten Mills and Boone books. There, yes. can can I just ask you about the the rights with those? Do they yes. do they pass out of Mills and Boone after a certain amount of time and, and revert back to you? You have to apply for your reverted rights. You have to write to Mills and Boone, or as I did, Harlequin in America or Canada, and uh, you you have to apply for your rights to be reverted to you then they officially send you back your reverted rights. Um, So my agent did that for me, Dorothy. She did that for me and uh, took quite a while, about six or seven months. But that was some time ago. Uh, And I didn't do anything with them at that time. Um, It's only in the last two years, really, that we decided to go with plan A and plan B. So I'm guessing then that the Mills and Boons were written on a cronky old typewriter before um, uh, word processors were around. Is that is that right, or were you early? Were you an early adopter? Yes, I, we both were actually. I had a daisy wheel. You probably don't know what a daisy. Yeah, no, I know. I do know do what a daisy wheel is. Yeah. Yes, I do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. My my. I was telling somebody today. My my dissertation was handwritten, and my now yeah. wife typed it up at a cronky old. Um, what was they? Corona <laughs> Smith. Yeah. 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 Typewriter. Yes. Of course, Smith. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I might look incredibly young in my photographs, you but do. the reality, I'm afraid, is a lot more grim. Oh, I'm sure, Neil. <laughs> wow. You've got a young right. voice. <laughs> <laughs> So, so it was. It was. So you, you. What I'm saying is, you can't just cut and paste it. It's a. It's a, oh, no. a manual labour, is it? No, it's a full rewrite, um, and then then it goes to edit. Uh, I've got an editor, a very nice editor, who is local, and she. But first of all, I've had to scan oh, it all. First and everything. possibly the most painstaking thing for Chris <laughs> was scanning every the page. Old book. Did the old books, took them all apart, and mm. scanned it a page at a time. So uh, this kind of scanning is where you scan it and it it extracts the text into a word file. Is it that kind of scanning? Yes, Yes. and then I put it into Scrivener, go through it there, take out all the page errors and whatever, and then I put it into Vellum after that, and then the document's ready to go to Carol's um, editor after that. But that is a bit painstaking, doing the scanning, I found it. Yes, yes, Very painstaking, page at a time. That's horrible. That's a horrible job, and I can't think of any smart way to get around it. I think no. you've got to do yeah. that. Haven't you? Yeah. It's the smartest way to do it. Yeah, we tried. We've looked on the net, but that's the only way you can do it. We've been through the gamut of scanners. Yeah, there's offers of people to do it for you, but 
you know, they charge ridiculous figures, so we might as well do it ourselves. We wanted to we wanted to jump in the deep end and feel what it was like to be um, in control of all this before, <laughs> hopefully in time. Everybody seems to be talking about virtual assistants these days and stuff like that. So in time, possibly we'll be able to, um, you know, pass off some of the uh, workload. But at the moment, we want to know because we want to probably like you, Paul, you want to feel it. You want to know what you've got to do. Yeah. Um, yes, you need to know the business, don't you? And I'm, I'm pleased to hear you're using uh, Scrivener and, and Vellum, which I yes. just can't get excited enough about. It's just oh, remarkable, yes, isn't it? I, Vellum is fantastic. Yes. I think you, you were one of the people we heard first mention yes. Vellum. Probably on one of your podcasts or YouTube. No, oh, I'm always going on yeah. about it. Yes, I, I bore myself with it. Yes. No, no, it's, that's <laughs> what gave us the idea. And we tried it and it was brilliant. Yes, yes, Never looked back. So that's the best, yes. best software and Scrivener. Uh, and thanks to your your YouTubes and podcasts and sort of catching up with you about um, last year, I think, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. Um, and also with some other very good indie teachers. Um, you know, we've we've um, began. We've we've only really, I suppose, started on the cusp of things. But as technology is changing every day. <laughs> you're all kind of in the same melting pot together, aren't you? I don't know if you find that. Well, absolutely. I mean, you you know, you will have, if you've been at this for uh, just around a year or more, yeah. then you'll, you'll know as much as I do about Amazon ads. We're all, we're all oh, new to it, yes. aren't we? We're all learning yes, it. Yeah, absolutely. it's all strange. Yes, I don't know if anybody's got the magic... <laughs> no, I, I certainly haven't. No, no I haven't either. <laughs> I, I think I it's testing, just testing. Isn't always it? tight, all testing, testing was a tiny amount, and then gradually yes. build it up. Yes. You, you mentioned book bubs earlier. Have you had one yet? Uh, not the no. big book bub. It's a small. You know where you advertise at the bottom of their yes. email that goes yes. out. That's the one we did. Yes. No, we we haven't no. had a proper book bub. Have you had a book bub yet, Paul? Or? Yes, I, yes, I've been I've just been sharing the results with it. You see, because it was it brought me in yes. um, uh, four thousand two hundred and fifty pounds of profit this month. I've oh, had from books, fantastic. which is wonderful, which is astonishing, isn't it? It's um, oh, that is uh, well worth it. Well done. That's fantastic. Congratulations. That's so blowing. But it, it's a good number. But I'm not. I'm not going to re- repeat that. You know, obviously, it's going to degrade um, over time. Sure. But it's it's still a pretty good figure, oh, isn't it? Yes. That's marvelous. Yes. yes, it is. It's you, you must be so chuffed. Well, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm amazed by it because um, you know it feels like I've been thrashing around for a long time. Yes. But, uh, that that was made up of it was forty three and a half thousand free books. Yes. And that's led to some over a thousand then sales of the series. So it was Don't Tell Meg That Went. Yes. Um, so over a thousand sale, subsequent sales. And uh, it's about six hundred and fifty thousand page reads, which oh, um, That's marvellous, oh. yeah. Okay, yeah. On Amazon, it's fantastic. Yes. That's my recommendation. Yes. That's what we from, do. Yes. Yeah, we work yeah. today. Yes. Fantastic. It, it's worth so much, oh, it adds yeah. so much to your income, page yeah, It can yeah. double it and sometimes more. That's the nice thing. Yes. Were you, su- so, uh, were you surprised, sorry. Paul, when you, you got the BookBub deal? Uh, yeah, because um, I've tried uh, twice more since and they still knocked me back. So I, I'm dying to get one for my sci-fi. Sure. And, uh, and, and they knocked me back today, actually. I've had a knock back today on one of my standalones though um i was testing something new there i was actually testing it as a paid book bub so you know you can actually do discount deals on book bub yes because it's a standalone i i went from uh, from 4.99 to 99 cents to see see because there's no natural uh lead on i mean obviously i've got um several thrillers but it doesn't in the way that don't tell meggie's a read through it it ends on a a sort of cliffhanger and a a, you know you must continue the story kind of line Um, that drove the sale. So um, again, you're you're ideally poised for this, Carol, because you write in series. You, you're writing in. Um, it's. I think that's just so important to have the series yes. to have the read throughs. So that's where you yes. make the money. Yes. Oh, that's Be- bear in mind, Paul. That that's that's great. Um, but my copyrights have all been bought by Simon and Schuster. So my two series books, which are the Lizzie Flowers books, are totally Simon and Schuster's copyright. So the book I'm writing at the moment will be the third in the Lizzie Flowers series, but uh, it will be my almost my first 
book, if other than the book Christmas that I, come, yeah. I, I published this year, yeah. So um, in your case, it'll be marvellous because you can build up on your series since the copyright is wholly your own. And you're keep, you're keeping it, I take it. You're keeping. Oh, it. I'm really yeah, I'm yeah. really oh. touchy about copyright. Yes. Yeah, I keep everything. Oh, yes, so sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm still waiting sensitive. for the big offer to come along. <laughs> <laughs> you'll hear from Simon and Schuster now. Yes. Well, no one no one wants my copyright. That's the problem, you see. So. Oh, I'm sure they will. Hang on in there. Well, you've got an agent, have you, Paul? No, I, I haven't done the agent thing or anything. No, I'm, I'm just very um, happy um, writing, you know, writing the books. Yes. And yes. Um, I would like to get one placed with with Bloodhound, but then they're, they're not really traditional Bloodhound. They're they're they give you, um, I think it's forty five percent Bloodhound give you. It's it's a lot more of the percentage. Yes. But I I feel that if I could get if I could place one with Bloodhound, it would help my yes. indie books as well. Sure. That's yes. really what I'm angling for yes. now. Yes. Um, Forty-five um, percent's pretty good on an ebook, isn't it? Well, I feel I would get so much from them. You see, you yes. know, that my because I'd learn from them, yes. uh, and, and I'd get the advantage of being part of a pool of thriller yes. writers. So sure. I feel that that's Absolutely. fine. And because I haven't sold my soul away with the copyright, because I've still got books that I will benefit directly from. To me, that feels like a a good fit. Now it Absolutely. seems like a good arrangement. You're in a very good position, Paul. Yeah, and um, one that. That many writers would envy, I'm sure. The um, the other thing I've got to ask you, uh, Chris, is uh, sorry, yeah. Carol. This is one for Carol. Sorry, I beg your pardon. Um, you, you, how long do you write? I mean, you must be a ferocious writer. Uh, you well, must write words, you know, thousands of words a day. No, I don't, Paul. I'm a very slow, methodical writer, which has always been a bit on the negative side. Really, I, I'm not a fast writer. Because I've, my way of writing is that I like to get to know my characters before I go on in, in the book. So that means I write slowly and I edit over what I do each day. So the amount of words is not so much, not so important to me as actually writing a scene. So I usually get a scene done a day. And then if I have time left over, I'll go back and edit that scene so that it's well and truly established in my brain what my characters are doing, what they're saying, how they're feeling, and what they're going to do next. Have you ever been tempted to try your hand at writing, Chris? You're obviously creative if you if you paint, so you must be that way inclined. Well, is there one book out there? Carry on, quack. Oh, yes. Yeah, there's yes. one book out there I've got. Yes. Really? Oh, oh really? Well, this is interesting. anybody that reads it. No. <laughs> 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 Carry on quack, and it's under Chris Wilt, I think it's called, and it's ages ago. It's just hanging out there on Amazon. So uh, yeah, I've done one. (laughs) How how did you feel about that? I mean, I I bet you respect, uh, you know, Carol tremendously, don't you? Having been through it once yourself, I always have, and I respect her more. (laughs) I I keep him too busy, Paul. That's the truth of it. She's a hard taskmaster. <laughs> well, you, you, you have given yourself a little sweatshop job now, haven't you, with, yeah. with indie publishing? Yeah. It, it, it is a full-time job. How, how do you spend your days, Chris, if you're responsible, you're doing the scanning and, and, and the advertising? What, what's a day like for you? It's pretty busy. I get up in the morning. I do more scanning of the uh, Mills and Boone, and I carry on, look at all the adverts. Um I haven't, you most probably got around to this, you know, the Excel sheets. Yes. I'm told I've got to learn this. I can't get into the Excel, but I go through all the figures the long way. So um, I do all the figures each day, you know, return on investment to make sure the adverts are not running away. And then I work on a cover for most of the um, Mills and Boom books, I keep them in hand, all ready to go. I do the box sets. Um, that's about it, really. What are you using for the covers there? What what um, uh, bit of kit or software? So I go do it in Pixelmator. I usually work in, which I like. I usually get the image from, believe it, Canva. Or if if I'm feeling really uh, like it, I'll go into iStock Photos and buy a picture there if I can't find anything I like. 
but mainly on Canva. I find it's brilliant. I can do a whole cover for a dollar. I'm trying to work out how do you on, on the um on the Dishy Doctor uh, novels. Yes. Um. How do you get that black and white and colour effect? I, I'm trying to work out how you've done that. I bring it down from Canva. The actual oh, cover. I've got Apple, and I bring it down into Pixelmator, and I work on it in Pixelmator in layers, and then brush it away, rub it away, so it gives it that rubbed out look. It's good. It's very distinctive. I like those. They're very well, uh, they're very corny, branded, corny, which is important as well. I thought they were a bit corny at first because nobody else has done them. I thought I should do something with somebody in silhouette running down a tunnel. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm sick to death. I won't put those on my novels. You know, the, the silhouette of a man standing in front of a, a cityscape. I mean, I know it's genre specific, but I just don't want to do it. I just want to be different. No, I like your covers. I like you. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah. So that was just trying to be individual. That's it. So you use Photoshop, Paul. Well, it, mine are really dodgy. I, I um I got a um a format made on. Uh, Fiverr. Yes. Somebody made me a format, and then I know enough about Photoshop, yes. as you were mentioning there, about layers yes. to, to to layer another picture. Once somebody's done the fonts and things, I know enough about it to to play around with it. Um, but I did that specifically as a as a bootstrapping activity. Yeah. In that the I was paying four hundred pounds a time for a cover, and I, I can't. Yes. You know, I was writing so fast that yes. I couldn't keep up with yes. the the price sure. of that. So yes. I thought I, with the thrillers, I've got to find a format that yes. is. They're not very good, but they're acceptable. And, and clearly, good. in the book bub, it, it didn't didn't stop anybody downloading it, did it? You no, know, in the book bub, so not. No, um, I think people. I think you know the cover, along with its password, it's the actual you know the title or the the blurb that gets the person. They like the blurb. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, and and like your like your uh, Dishy Doctor series, you know they are evocative. You know what you're getting yes. when you look at those yes. covers. There's no secret yes. about it. I know exactly what I'm getting when I'm yes. getting these covers. You've definitely got a Paul Teague brand. Yeah. Yes. 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 Which is good. Yes. You know, it's a, it's a good way. Mm. Paul's got it most probably. Well, you you've been in it a long time, I should think. To... No, I've only been doing it for three years, so um, I've only been writing for three years, yes, That's yeah. Well, it's because it's a lot to How take How do you on. fit in your writing? Yeah, because... with the podcast and Gosh. everything. Well, I write, f- I write um, 5,000 words a day at a sitting. Oh, um, fantastic. And I write, uh, it's all time. So um, I have a three-day-a-week day job yes. uh, as well. So that that That's my bootstrapping. So that means yes. that I don't have to put sure. the children in an orphanage yes. or anything. Uh, <laughs> which, is, as you'll know, with your five, <laughs> you're never, never very far away from it, are you? <laughs> so so that, that keeps the roof over everybody's head. And, it, and then it allows me then, you know, to have this uh, sort of indulgence, which is to try and get this um, career going um, you know which is uh, at best it takes an effort and, it, and it's a bit of a wing and a prayer really um, but it's something that we're compelled to do I think yeah something yes. that grabs yes. you I you're think, addicted to it I think you've just hit the nail on the head when you say you're compelled to do it and when you're when you have that gut feeling that you've got to go ahead and do it and you can do it the way you want it that's the best feeling it's the greatest feeling Yes, there's nothing quite like writing for that. And, um, you know, I wrote my first book on a, you know, remember the the old Basildon Bond uh, pads that you used to get for, remember letter writing and ink pens? A long time ago. I find it quite hard to write now in longhand. Yeah, me too. I do, yeah. I know it's ridiculous. Yeah, I can't write sustained writing anymore. So um, yeah, and we're all we're all used to computers now, and, and thank goodness they came along. Oh, so I've got I've got to ask you've been at this long enough to know whether it was a bad decision or not. You know how how are you feeling now? A year down the line, you've been years at traditional publishing, um, and and in many respects, uh, Carol, you can just go back to it if you want to. You've got the agency, yes. you, you, yes. you've got the contacts. Yes. I, I'm sure because um, uh, uh, business is business for publishers, and if they see see or read a book that they can sell. Uh, that's all that matters. So uh, I could if I wanted to, I guess. But this past year has been something extraordinary. And I wouldn't change my mind. It was a good decision. And I think Chris agrees. I would say 100%. I'm I'm high-fiving the air because I wish more people would do what we were doing because it's really enjoyable. 
It's really, um, really we, enjoyable. We've got lots of plans for books. I think if you've got the 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 idea and the inspiration, um, hopefully the energy will come along with that too. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, it's been it's been fabulous talking to you oh, both today. And as I say, you know, obviously it hasn't destroyed a long marriage yet, so something must be going right in it. So, you know, congratulations to both of you. It, it, it's wonderful to hear um, you so energised after being in the game for so long. It's wonderful to hear you so energised by oh, it still. Thank you. Paul. Well, I think you're doing brilliant, and I think your podcasts yes. are brilliant, which I listen it, to. It's with mentors and like think, you that yes, we've actually done it. It makes so a big, big difference to us because we think we're by ourselves here. <laughs> and it's quite nice. We've when... only got to tune into one of your podcasts or look at you on YouTube, and there you are. Well, there, yeah. and, and you know that things could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's self-publishing journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.